0: Genesis 1, The Beginning In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. There was evening and there was morning. The first day.
1: And God said, let there be vault between the waters to separate the water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky and there was evening and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered around to one place and let let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and gathered waters as he
0: called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seeds, according to... God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on earth to govern the day and the night and separate the light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day.
1: And God said,
0: let the water
1: teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing which in the water teems that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day.
2: So the reading is Genesis chapter 1 from verse 24. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. And over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, and to all the birds of the air, and all the creatures that move on the ground, Everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that He had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were
3: created. Without God, where would we be? The answer is we wouldn't be here at all. As Mark Green said, God has created a context for human flourishing. That was the big project. But, is it not an extraordinary conceit to suggest that the whole purpose of creation is to create a context for human flourishing? Is that really... Just why God created people on the sixth day. When you look around the world, is it legitimate to suppose that everything we see has just been created and ordered for our benefit? Just how important do we think we are? We are on dangerous ground here. Some environmental campaigners argue that this worldview has played its part in contributing directly to the ecological crisis, which looms ever larger on the horizon the idea that the earth's resources are there for us there to be plundered and exploited for our benefit is worked out in practice in the burning of fossil fuels the wholesale cutting down of forests and both policies are together according to the vast majority of scientists bringing global warming dangerously close to the point of no return Since the time of the Industrial Revolution, we have not worked in harmony with nature. Instead, we've pillaged the earth, earth, we've squandered its resources, even though we can see that in the long term, the results could be catastrophic. Yet the short-term costs of abandoning our dependence on fossil fuels are too great for global politicians to be able to agree a viable way of implementing the drastic changes that are really required to make the world a safer place for generations to come. What did the Governor of the Bank of England say this week? He said the challenges currently posed by climate change pale into insignificance compared with what might come, but also that this generation has little incentive to avert future problems. The impact on future generations could be immense, because once climate change becomes a defining issue for financial stability, it may already be too late. And what does the church have to say about this problem? Well, over time the church has sent out mixed messages, really. Because the problem is that, read a certain way, the Bible does appear to license, if not even require, the human domination of the natural world. According to Genesis 1, we are made in the image of God and it's our job to rule and subjugate the created order. This is the language of power and violence. That verb subdue in Genesis one twenty-eight is used elsewhere of conquer, enslaving, assaulting and trampling underfoot. The idea that we are born to rule the world and the world is there to be ruled can be derived from the creation story in Genesis. And that's why some people point the finger at the Christian faith for our current ecological woes. They say the church has provided the world with a worldview that gives humanity the mandate to exploit the earth and its resources at will to serve our own ends. That's what it's there for. And so with apologies to Mark Green who can't answer back, The problem with saying that the whole purpose of creation was to provide a context for human flourishing only serves to encourage that harmful perspective. Yes, we are created on the sixth day in the dramatized account of creation that we find in Genesis 1, but let's not get too conceited here. We don't get the day to ourselves. We share the sixth day with the creation of livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and all wild animals. We might be made in the image of God, but we are still a carbon-based life form. We are still just one of the innumerable species of creatures that live here on the Earth, albeit a very special one. And in God's original mandate, the world the world is vegetarian in its entirety. Something which, incidentally, is a major problem with taking the creation account too literally. So yes, God says to the people he's created, I give you every seed-bearing plant for food, every tree that has fruit with seed in it for food, and they are yours to eat. But actually it's the same for the animals as well. To the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, everything that moves along the ground has breath of life in it. To all these creatures I give every green plant for food too. So yes, the earth's resources are available to sustain us, but equally they are there to provide food and sustenance to the rest of creation as well. They are not there for the exclusive benefit of the human race. They are there to be shared. The world is not all about us. So what about this harsh language of ruling the world and bringing it into subjection? How do you get away from the destructive connotations of that? Well, those here who are keen gardeners and I know I'm not one of you (laughs) but those of you who are you will know just how much time you spend in the garden pruning trimming cutting digging if you keep your garden under control weeds will be a fairly small proportion of the contents of your green waste bin every fortnight Vast amounts of material will be there from plants that are healthy and valuable and fruitful and beautiful, but they need to be pruned, cut, controlled to get the best crop of fruit, to get the best display of flowers. If you want a magnificent garden, you need to be busy with your secateurs and loppers, because unchecked natural growth does not yield the best results. There is something violent is too strong a word to use but you wield the secateurs and loppers to bring your garden into order there's the old story isn't there the country parson having a chat with a farmer about the crop of barley growing in the field it's wonderful isn't it says the parson what could be done when you and God get together yeah says the farmer but you should have seen this field last year when God had it to himself (laughs) and that's the point unchecked creation grows rampant uncontrolled for us to be able to live in the world creation needs to be controlled and ordered god did not create us and place us in the world where everything we needed was automatically there for our benefits no the mandate from the word go was to work in the world to make it a habitable place for us to harness its resources and make it fruitful There is a fine but a very clear distinction between working in the world to make it fruitful so that we can enjoy its benefits and plundering and exploiting it and causing irreparable damage in the process. In the creation story, God spends six days making the world and when he's finished, he makes people, us, human beings, made in his image and says, right, I'm putting you in charge of all this now. You see, it isn't actually all about us at all. All this was not made for our exclusive benefits. God made a marvellous world, an amazing world, and he did so as an extraordinary act of creative and loving genius. And then he says to us, people whom he's made in his own image, as his representatives, if you like, I want you to take care of this. I want you to look after this world that I've made. I want you to govern it and manage it on my behalf. I own the place. You are... My managers. Managers made in the image of God. That's a different thought, isn't it? It's all about our part in God's plan and purpose for the world that he has made. So the work of creation, setting up the world, takes six days. Then God takes a well earned break to enjoy the fruits of his labour. And he says to us, okay, it's over to you now. You run the world. You look after it. You manage it for me and he wants us to do that in continuity with the way in which he made the world in the first place at the beginning it starts out as a, starts out as a watery dark chaotic void and God brings order light is created darkness is banished to the night time the sky and the dry land are created driving back the watery chaos making open spaces for order open spaces in which plant life and vegetation can and do grow and then God populates the spaces he's mated. He's created. The sun and moon and stars rule the day and the night. The fish and sea. Fish fill the sea, the birds fill the sky. Animals and people are made to live on dry ground. And the whole process is one of creating order out of chaos and filling the world with life. That's our mandate. To bring order. To develop life. To create fruitfulness. At the end of each day, God looks at what he's made, sees with satisfaction that it is good. And as people made in his image, we fulfill our mandate. If at the end of the day, we can look back and say, that was a good day's work. And thankfully for people like me who hate gardening, the mandate to govern creation extends far, far, far broader than cutting the grass at weekends. We honor at harvest time the farmers who make the earth fruitful, whose hard work goes into the harvest display we see before us today. The hours they spend, the sacrifices they make, the hard life that they lead, we thank God for them as well as the things they produce. But whenever we do anything creative, whenever we make anything that's beautiful or useful, when we make something that is valuable or worthwhile, we act in the image of God and he delights in our creativity because chaos still bubbles and fizzes away beneath the surface of creation, whenever we bring order and structure to situations, we are acting in the image of God who delights in the way in which we use our management skills. Whenever you work to facilitate cooperation and communication, you are working as somebody made in the image of God who is Father, Son and Holy Spirit, who work together and cooperated together in making you and the world in which you live. Whenever we work to alleviate evil, pain, or suffering, and restore goodness to the world, we do so as God's representatives. Because we are working to to restore the goodness that was in the world in the first place that he created. Whenever we work to try and ensure that people get enough resources to live and prosper, we act as God's agents who created a world in which there was enough for everybody when we teach children and and adults about who they are how they can live their lives to full potential we are serving God because we are serving people whom he made in his image to enable them to lead fulfilled lives to fulfill their destiny as people who who live for God and know the dignity that comes with that whenever we develop resources from the raw material of creation treating that creation with respect we show that we are made in the image of God because that is what God created us to do It's not just about you and me and our personal fulfillment. It's not just about our personal fulfillment at all, actually. It's about leading productive lives. Lives that bring order and goodness and life to the world. And when we live our lives that kind of way, when we do our work that kind of way, we find our place within God's good purposes for us and for the world. In the men's pub group on Tuesday nights, we're having a look at a book called Visions of Faith by Bill Sykes. In another book he wrote called Visions of Hope, he has a section on work, which he introduces by way of a reflection on his time as an undergraduate in Oxford. He writes, in theology, we think of God the Father as creator. If we ignore the creator, we become blind to the creation. 30 years ago in Oxford, we were encouraged to be evangelical and convert people to Christ, we missed out on the kingdom of God with this message of converting not only individual lives but the whole of creation. Man and woman, after all, are made in the image and likeness of God with dominion over the earth, with a mandate to run it according to the will of God. I wonder if we need to get back to this fundamental principle. I think we should work, he says, not just to earn our living but to transform and redeem the workaday world vocation should not be limited to a few occupations but everyone is called to redeem and transform the world we are living in and exercise dominion over the world and I say I'm into that the world needs that that's our mandate that's what it means for us to be made in the image of God and the extent of the world's need is overwhelming sometimes but where you are With the gifts you have and the job you do, the little bit of the world that comes under your influence, you can play your part in looking after that bit of God's world for him. Containing the chaos, bringing order, bringing goodness and life, helping communication and cooperation, developing creativity ensuring a fair distribution of resources. If you do your job like this, you are playing your part. A small part, maybe, but a highly significant part, nevertheless. You play your part in ruling and subduing your bit of the world and governing it on God's behalf for his glory. It's a high calling, but it is one that is extended to us all because God made every single one of us in his image and he calls us to serve him in this world that he's made let's spend a moment in quiet and i'll lead us in prayer lord without you we wouldn't exist at all you made us the people that we are With the gifts and abilities and resources we have at our disposal. And you've placed us where we are. Some of us are happy with where we live and how we work, and we thank you for that. Others of us wish that things were different. Help us. To find out what our role is. How we can use our gifts. To serve you. To manage our bit of the world. On your behalf. And help us by how we do what we do. To bring order. Goodness. Communication. Fairness, life, beauty. Help us to bring these things into your world as we do all that we do in your name and for your sake. May what we do be part of the great harvest of thanksgiving and praise and glory that's due to your name. Amen.